Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Raja, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF. Uh, if you have not already, become a subscriber at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. And now is the best time to do it because uh, we have a magazine. Well, as we talked about last week, uh, the 2020 summer edition of Dave Campbell's Texas Football is officially off to the presses. Ish, uh, you're in the office today, right? Um, we have issues, right? Yeah, flipping through it as much as I, as much as I can. You know, usually when the magazine first comes out, I don't look at <laughs> it really at all. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. It, well, it one thing really that I'll good. always tell everybody is that. Um, the second that you open the magazine and look at something that you wrote, you realize that you made some horrific mistakes. So it's just really... <laughs> right, yeah. It's like, even if you didn't make horrific mistakes, right, like, you right, see right. them as mistakes. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, that was a mistake. Or that was that's something bad. Or I should reword that. So that's why I don't look at it until like, a couple months down the line. You're like, oh, okay. This is, you know, or it's way out of yeah, your view, way in the rear view. And you can just Yeah, like, after you've gotten some positive feedback, you, you don't worry about it before that. <laughs> right, right. Yes, I wait for other people to see it before I really look at it. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I think that's absolutely the way to go. So, um, But if you haven't as yet become a subscriber, textfootball.com slash subscribe. It's the best way to get your magazine as quickly as possible. And and look, you got to act quick, okay? Our first uh, sort of print deadline to get it to you really early has passed, but we can still get it to you early if you subscribe really by the end of the week probably so uh so make sure and get on that uh, if you haven't already i promise you it is worth it so uh well yeah i I, last week we talked a lot about the issue of course we talked about shane michelle being on the cover um look it's i think it's kind of time to start uh recapping all this all this weird stuff that happened while we were gone we were gone a good two months uh obviously look we we don't really need to talk about covid that's been talked to death i i think that we're pretty right. much good on that front um and later on in the show we will get to our all texas college teams which were released today which are the same ones that will be released in the summer edition of dave campbell's texas football but first uh, let, let's start with this okay a lot of players have been added mm-hmm. to rosters there's been a lot of roster changes that uh, that we didn't get a chance to talk about as yet sure are there one or two that especially stand out to you um hmm and I, I guess the one for you know, well, I was gonna say the one for me really quick is uh, Tariq Black going to Texas, yeah. um, because you looked at you look at that Texas wide receiving core and two years ago you know or last year the story was okay what are they gonna do with that little Jordan Humphrey and then when you saw kind of Duvernay step into becoming a premier receiver from the slot it was like okay well projecting to twenty twenty okay what are they gonna do with that Devin Duvernay and then obviously Colin Johnson their deep field threat downfield threat also gone yeah, yeah. so I think. Adding Black, in addition to maybe expecting or anticipating Brendan Eagles to take a leap forward, um, anticipating Smith to take a, leap, a step forward, um, you know, maybe that that gives them... Because without somebody like Black, an experienced veteran, a legit wide receiver, you'd be putting a lot on these guys, right? A lot on these guys who showed something. Like, I don't want to say, like, Texas wasn't productive outside of Johnson and Duvernay. They were, but to say, to go from, you know, that to becoming a, a sub-1,000, maybe 1,000-yard receiver would be a lot. And I think adding somebody like Black helps mitigate that uh, development or that, that year of maybe 
hangover you would um, just in case somebody like Eagles doesn't immediately become a premier star wide receiver this year. Yeah, and look, to me, if Brendan Eagles doesn't have a thousand yard season this year, I think that's disappointing. I think that that's not meeting expectations, sure. but uh, you look at next year's team, and I think that there's a lot of talent in that receiver room, but mm-hmm. uh, I think that this is just another guy. Like you said, I mean, this is another guy to kind of throw out there. They're talking up a lot of the guys that they have on campus who are, who are really good players, but I think it's mm-hmm. fair to say that like Eagles is the only real guy who you expect to be great. Now, yeah. You think that maybe Jake Smith will be really good. You think that obviously Tariq Black will be really good. But if you add a guy who has been through three years of college strength and conditioning, uh, you know, at Michigan, yeah. no less, um, you know, you add a guy who uh, obviously has all the physical gifts in the world and, and you add him to a room that has done a pretty good job of getting the most out of itself you know i think that i think right. that that's something that you know you look at little jordan humphrey you look at devin duvernay i think that they did maximize their potential in a lot of ways uh you know that's what you hope to get i i agree i think Tariq black's gonna be a great addition so for me i'm not gonna overthink it right it's zach evans <laughs> it's it's sure, definitely sure, zach yeah. evans uh, obviously uh we didn't get a whole lot of time to talk about that weirdness and you know obviously tcu was not expected to get him like two days before he ended up enrolling there right like right. like it just came completely out of left field uh you know tc I, I think that you know we knew that the saga was going to end in a weird way but but i think that <laughs> i think in a lot of ways zach evans joining gary patterson might have been the weirdest way that this could have ended right and i think it's kind of weird because as as you know, you've heard stories about Evan's process and, you know, maybe coaches, especially coaches in Georgia playing hot potato saying like, ah, we actually don't want to deal with this kid. Um, for him to land at TCU, I I don't know if you could have, per, you could have had a, as far as being in the state, I don't know if he could have been landed in a per, more perfect environment. Yeah. If he, if he's really serious about football, wanting to rehab his image and show that what he's really about is producing on the field. Um, I don't know if he picked a better head coach than Gary Patterson to do that under because he, he's a no-nonsense head coach. He's not going to – I mean, one, I don't think we're going to get uh, Evans talking to the media much. So it's like so because of Patterson. But, like, I think he's going to be willing to take him under the under his shoulder, under his wing, and kind of groom him from the inside out before he puts him back in the media spotlight, back in, you know, in front of um, – maybe, maybe uh, before he gives him a chance to maybe, you know – take a step back or something as we've seen with some of like the the weird uh all-american interview with Deion sanders those kind of things that are just kind of that kind of just left you scratching your head throughout the whole process um i don't think he's gonna have a chance to mess the mess this up because gary's not going to give him that yeah. chance because he's gonna be he's i think gary knows the type of player and the type of personality yeah. that he gets that he's getting and obviously he's getting a damn good running back but he also knows like okay this is a guy who's gonna need somebody to walk him through maybe get some maturity, more maturity under him and just have him focus on football and development. And the thing that I think that we always have to clarify about Zach Evans is like, it's not mm-hmm. like he's getting in trouble, trouble, you know? Right. He's not a bad right. kid. He's not, he's not, there's, this isn't a criminal thing. No. This is mo- this is just mostly him maybe making some dumb decisions, maybe him getting wrong advice, maybe him taking things uh, you know maybe coming off a little fickle sometimes when it comes to recruiting and not really showing certain you know he he, he kept like pushing off his commitment yeah. and things like that and that kind of turned a lot of schools off and so like it's not like you said he's not a bad kid from from you know even from talking with um 
from his high school head coach, John Kay, like none of the disciplinary issues that he had were him being a bad no, kid. It was no, mostly no. him making a bad decision, <laughs> uh, like turn like immaturity wise, right. right? Like not giving up his phone, um, things like that. Yeah, you know, at, at times having the perception of putting himself before the team and his process before. And, right. And look, I mean, he's a 17 to 18 year old kid, right? Like it, we don't have to sure. like overanalyze about the future of his existence, you know, based on, based right. on what he did, you know, d- during a high school football game. It's not that serious. So uh, good luck to him. I, I think that's going to be really interesting to watch. The other thing I think that we do have to say is like, they don't need him to be a star. You know, I mean, DeMarco Foster right. and Darwin yeah, Barlow are very prepared and, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and obviously if he gets added to the mix and he works, obviously that's fantastic news and it only elevates that program. But if he doesn't, like, like you said, I mean, it doesn't really cost them anything. Um, the two other guys that I'm going to mention in terms of, uh, off season additions, one, a transfer, one, a six year of eligibility, uh, Houston adds Texas tech running back Tazon Henry. Mm-hmm. This is, this is an interesting one. He'll have to sit out this year. Uh, but that's kind of perfect timing because Kyle Porter and Mulba Carr will both graduate and Tazon Henry, who was really good as a freshman and, and kind of struggled a little bit more as a sophomore. Uh, it, it's going to be really interesting to see him back at home in Houston. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, They can use all the help they can get to right. um, based off this offseason. But yeah, him him that was a big pickup for Houston. And I feel like I know where you're going with the next one. Yeah. So, with the next yeah. Player. Well, he's actually a guy who we didn't this whole process kind of happened during the end part of our magazine prep. And we don't really know how he's going to be used, but man, Richard Moore's back. Like Richard Moore was, (laughs) uh, I think that we had him as an all Texas college second team player last year. Um, He was my player Mm -hmm. feature. I know for sure. Last year, Uh, he was a two year leading tackler at SMU. He goes down. Richard McBride comes in, does a great job. So now they've got kind of this embarrassment of riches at linebacker that, um, you know, because Richard McBride was another kid who got a sixth year added to him. Like all of a sudden they've got all this depth at linebacker that I don't know whether they knew that they had before. Right. Yeah. It's going to be, that's going to be really fascinating because like you mentioned, he's not going to be asked to come in and be all conference right away. Or like, you know, he maybe can get back to that point, but like he's still coming off that injury. And now he doesn't have the pressure of, you know, SMU is okay on defense. Like they they don't they don't need him to come in and be a star immediately. If he does, great. But he, there's not going to be a pressure on him to come and lead the team in tackles all over again. You can rotate him out. You can make sure that he comes back, um, you know, conditioned and and is able to perform at a high level. Maybe for fewer snaps because we know we have depth around him. Um, and yeah, it was that was a massive massive. Uh, I mean, it, it is a pickup yeah, because yeah. he thought he was gone, and so um, it's a it's a massive pickup for us. Yeah, and I think that's kind of funny because, like you mentioned, you sort of look at that defense now, and uh, the the front four still, you know, I mean, they add Michael Williams. It's still going to be a little bit of a of a growing process after losing three starters. But like, you look sure. at the linebacker and the defensive back groups, and there's a lot of new faces, but there's a lot of really talented faces. You know, you're you're adding. Yeah. Richard McBride and Richard Moore back to, you know, Shevin Calloway in the backfield, for example. Like, th- that's the sort of kid who, you know, Arkansas desperately wanted and every th- team in the state wanted. Now he's going to be starting there. Uh, they bring back both corners. Like, it, it, you start, you sort of start seeing, like, if they can get some pressure up front, I mean, it, there's something there on defense. So I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do. Definitely. All right. So one more thing that I wanted to touch on, because I think that in a lot of ways this was – the biggest story of the offseason, Stephen F. Austin. (laughs) Mm, Yes. Oh, man. Okay, so for people who don't know, people who might not follow sub-FBS football as closely, um, Stephen F. F. Austin 
had an issue where basically somebody in their uh, in their accreditation office like basically the people who make sure that their players are eligible uh they made a huge mistake <laughs> like an <laughs> insane mistake um so what from what uh, the athletic director said it was that when they were calculating their sort of APR score, their academic progress rate score, which is something that every school keeps an eye on because, you know, a lot of teams lose guys to transfers. A lot of guys, you know, don't graduate players. Like, you have to basically try to graduate at least half of your players, right? Which, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. sounds easier than it actually is. Um, And apparently SFA's person who does this basically made the mistake of thinking that you get to count all your classes and not like major specific classes. And so basically this like tiny little screw up ended up costing them basically their entire, like last five years of basketball and like four years of football. Right. And now, and yeah. I guess, I guess the biggest, uh, I mean, the biggest losses for prestigious loss in there is obviously the NCAA tournament yeah. win over VCU and basketball. Um, but like you said, it, 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 that's the most prestigious loss yeah. that they probably, or the most prestigious penalty they took, but it affects so many other sports. And I, I do have to jump in and say, don't worry, Duke still lost to SFA. That still does count. Oh yeah, no, that, yeah, that count. I love, I think I tweeted this out when the penalties came out. I was like, I would love it if we vacated every win except that one. <laughs> like their only win in basketball is over Duke and uh, over number one Duke inside Cameron Indoor. It's the only win in, in the last seven years. Yeah, but, and obviously, I mean, look, I think that, I think that everybody has reached a point where we're like, I saw Thomas walk up school, uh, West Virginia in the first round. Like we don't necessarily right. need to pretend like this didn't happen, even though they're gonna have to take down a, a stupid banner or whatever. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, I just think that vacating is the dumbest penalty that they do in, in college sports. But, uh, sure. but yeah, so there, there's going to be a postseason ban for the football team next year. Um, the basketball team will have theirs and serve theirs in two years instead of this upcoming year. Uh, and then there will also be a minor scholarship reduction as well. And then obviously, you know, major probation, all that sort of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Look, I, I think that from what we know, it sounds like the coaching staff probably knew that something was coming even when they sort of came in last year because I think that they were kind of getting into the early stages of that. Um, yeah. but man, this is, this is getting blasted pretty hard for a, a coaching staff that's heading into its second year. Yeah. Like you got to wonder because, you know, basically the past two years, Carthel's come in and had an amazing recruiting class. Like in, you know, his yeah. first year comes in, they're the top class in FCS. Um, I was, I'm not sure what they were ranked this past year, they were but top five. You know, top five. So like to have that looming over now, um, with this 2021 class, about to about to get going i mean golly like that's such a huge burden because you know players want to play in the postseason right and top players if you're if you're hoping to nab those players who would normally maybe go fbs but what but maybe you're enticing them with starting you know maybe starting right away or becoming a bigger presence at an fcs program you're enticing them with the idea of winning a championship Mm -hmm. right it's not like you're not enticing them going hey you want to go five and seven in the fcs like like, no you want to go to the ncaa tournament in the fcs and progress and you know you you want to compete in the southland the best conference in the in the in that division and 
And now SFA, for at least this 2021 class, they can't say that to them. Right. <laughs> you know, it's going to be it's going to be a little weird how this is going to impact their recruiting and how other schools, Incarnate Word, hello, um, <laughs> SF, uh, Sam Houston, ACU too, ACU as yeah. well, look at that and say, hey, look, okay, we're going to start poking at that or even Tarleton. Now. Yeah, and I, I think it is going to be interesting how, how they handle it because, you know, the one thing at least for 2021 is that, you know, those kids by the time they get on campus, they won't be postseason then, but they still will be under probation and they still be, will be under mm-hmm. minor scholarship reductions for a little longer. Like, it, it is interesting. And the one thing that I'll say, man, is if there's a coach that can go into a, a living room and sell, hey, you know, just wait a year. You know, we're going to be good. It's, it's Colby yeah, Carthel. It's Col- Colby Carthel. Yeah, that's true. And um, I think that he's done a really good job. Because, again, I look at it. Last year they went, what, 2-9, and nine, I think, and um, with a loss to an, a Division two team. And still they nab a yeah. top-five recruiting class. So people believe in Colby Carthel for good reason, obviously. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so I, I will be curious to see how they sort of handle this. Um, but, I mean, the ability to sell a lot of high-profile FCS kids on – you know, on sort of a process, which is what he's done so far, mm-hmm. I, I think says a lot about him. So it, it's going to be a tough climb, obviously. It's going to be a real tough climb. But, uh, but look, I, I don't. And yeah. I, will, yeah, I was going to say, and then I will, <laughs> I'll give them credit because they went from that to unloading like one of the best graphic uh, upgrades in like recent memory with their logos, their new logos that they dropped. Like, I think a month later, it was like, I was like, Oh, okay. That's how you make people forget about <laughs> this stuff. You just go, uh, go, uh, drop these dope. New yeah. Logos. Yeah. They look great. I'm really excited to see how they look on the uniforms. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's go ahead and move on to the, uh, sort of the main attraction, I guess, of this show. So we're, go- we released mm-hmm. the all Texas college team earlier today uh, the same one that's released in the magazines. And actually, next week, I, I think I'm breaking this news to you, uh, we're going to get Corey Hogue on the show to talk about the small All-Texas College team, uh, which nice. we'll be re- releasing next Wednesday for anybody curious. And we obviously invested really hard in it uh, last year in small college, so we really want to keep that going. But but we're going to start with the big boys, with the FBS players. So um, I think that total we have 52 players on these teams Uh it was a little bit of a surprise to me, right? Because Sex yeah. A&M actually ended up leading the list with nine total people on the team, but three on the mm-hmm. first team, six on the second team. Texas had the most first-teamers, but only three on the second team. And and actually, I mean, I guess this isn't a huge surprise because, you know, they're on the cover of the magazine, but SMU, they had four first-teamers, and they were the only uh, mm. they were the only group of five team with more than one. Yeah, that was... That's interesting because obviously, obviously they're on the covers and like, you know, they're the highlight school and the surprise school. And that's kind of the point of putting, you know, Bichelle and as the face, as the face of their program on the cover. Um, but like seeing the, the first team is what really, when we were drafting this list, the first team was really what caught my eye because I was like, man, we really like SME really is that good. Yeah. Huh? Like yeah. it, was, it was, uh, that was the eye opening part to me was when you drafted this list and we were looking it over and I had no argument against any of the SMU guys. Yeah, and, and the thing is, too, is, like, we can talk about sort of those first-team guys and second-teams guys. And, and, like, I ended up sort of slotting Michael Williams' second team because we haven't seen him play at SMU, but we know how good he is. Right. Um, you know, like, Richard McBride's on the team. We don't even know if it's going to be him or Richard Moore necessarily getting most of the snaps. I mean, like, yeah. there are so many other guys who could have made the list, I think, at SMU mm-hmm. because, you know, I think that, Again, a Trevin Calloway is going to be a guy who we think could make the list. Uh, and Armani Johnson is a guy who we think could make the list. Uh, you know, obviously, yeah. 
And there's some yeah. like there's some like give and take guys. Like you know you could put like if somebody came to me and said, oh, actually Sam Ellinger's the best oh. quarterback in Texas. Like sure, but like you can also make the argument that Shane is oh, the yeah. best quarterback oh, yeah. in Texas. And so like you know there's it, there's no like I can't believe you put you know. Uh, uh, Reggie Robertson. Right, right. Like, there's nobody saying that. Like, there's nobody that can say that. There probably is somebody saying it, but there's nobody that actually has a good argument against it. Whoever says Reggie Robertson does not belong on the first team can get the hell out of my mentions, but, uh, <laughs> but that's beside the point. Um, okay, let's let's go through this real quick position by position, okay? So, starting mm-hmm. with that quarterback position. So, we did end up putting Shane Bouchelle on the first team, Sam Ellinger on the second team. Now, Obviously, that's funny because they have had a quarterback competition before and it went the other way. <laughs> right. But, um, you know, so let's actually take a second real quick and kind of go through our methodology. Because I think that, sure. you know, for us, we evaluate these players where they are, right? Like, are we saying that, you know, Bobby DeHero at UTEP, who's on our second team, who's a great player, is absolutely beyond the shadow of a doubt, like, if you put him in the SEC, he would perform better than whatever and I'm offensive lineman. That's not necessarily what we're saying, right? We're saying right. when they go on the field and play football, this is what we see from them. Or their team in their right. conference right? <laughs> with their teammates. <laughs> right. And like, don't get me wrong. I mean, again, Reggie Robertson's going to be an NFL pick next year. Like we don't have to pretend that he's not incredible, but like we are only going to evaluate people on what they show us. We can't project. Yep. We can't be like, well, you know, if he's two inches too short for the for the Big 12. Like, we're not going to do that. We're going to say you're a good football player at what you're doing. So that that's kind mm-hmm. of uh, our thought process through that. And, and for us, look, I mean, Michelle versus Ellinger is a very tough pick, right? Like, yeah. I think that you could have gone in that direction. I, th- I think there are other directions you could have gone too. I think that Kellen Mond has a case. I think Charlie Brewer has a case. Like I, I think that there are guys who could have broken into this conversation, but but to me, these are the two best in the state and you can put them in whichever order you want. 100%. I, I mean, I don't think there's an argument there. You can always, obviously, you know, you can always play the what if game. Well, actually, if Bowman, Bowman was projected to throw for whatever many yards, it's like, right, yeah, right, cool, right. but like he hasn't. And like, and these guys have show, have, have credibility and have experience under their belts and have played the game at a almost a dominant level. Yeah. Like, I'm curious, like, I'm really excited to see both team, both players kind of take that next step from being really, really good to like, otherworldly dominant this year because they should they're on that trajectory yeah i I think that this senior quarterback class in the state is really good because you know you have those four guys that i mentioned i think michael collins at at rice is going to be a guy who's going to potentially do big things you know i I think that he's going to kind of get into that group um and obviously there's a lot of battles around the state still left to be determined but i think that that group of five i think is a really strong group uh, for the state of texas next year And, and i think that obviously you need that at the quarterback position. So uh, let's go ahead and move on to the running back. So our first team, and by the way, so we we obviously pick our team. We also, with all these other positions, name who we feel like is the best at the, their position, right? So right. So our second team to start things off, uh, Keontae Ingram from Texas, Sir Roderick Thompson from Texas Tech. Uh, one that I've, I've already heard about is not putting Trey Sigurds from North Texas on the team. I think that he was absolutely very deserving. Uh, he, he was... The last cut. Let's just put it that way. Right. Um, right. And first team, I think that these two guys are obvious. I think that Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M, nearly 1,000 yards as a, as a true freshman. But to me, best running back in the state, Sincere McCormick at UTSA. 100%. I, I, like, this was one where when you sent me the list, and I think when you were also, I'm curious what your mindset was going into it, you put Sincere McCormick down. 
And then naturally you were like, all right, like, you know, second team, right? UTSA. You know, he's a freshman. He can't, can't get too far ahead, right? And then you started looking. You're like, okay, no, not him. Not him. Not this guy. And then you're like, oh, wait, no. Like, no, he was the best running back in the state last year. And there was, at least with me, there was some hesitancy to put, you know, to put a true freshman on there. Um, because you don't want to project too early. Obviously, we saw... We, people kind of assumed Keontae Ingram would be taking a leap and injuries and things like that have kind of hampered him down. But based off his freshman year, like, and based off what 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 all else UTSA had around him, which wasn't much, he produced at a high level, and there's no reason to not label him as the best running back in the state, taking in all those factors that we said we took into, how much he played in his conference, how he played for his team, the lack of support around him, um... And his ability to produce nonetheless, like that, to me, was a greater indication of his talent relative to other people than you can get in, in comparing him to anybody else. And I, I wish I saw this stat. I, I think that I wrote it down um, while doing the preview and didn't actually put it in the preview. But it, it was something like, basically, he, every time he touched the ball, either running or receiving, averaged like... 5.4 yards per touch basically and the rest of the offense yeah. averaged like 4.4 like it was like a full yard less right. like, so right. that's the thing like and isaiah spiller if anybody says he's the best running back in the state totally fair too but um sure. but you know you look at what sincere mccormick is doing above the rate of his offense i think it's just absolutely right. unbelievable to me honestly so let's move on to the wide receiver position obviously the one that the state of texas is best known for so second team, I got Brennan Eagles, a guy who I do expect to be on the first team by the end of the year. Uh, Eric sure. Ezukanma from Texas Tech, Tyquan Thornton from Baylor. And then on the first team, I went with Jalen Darden from North Texas, Jamon Osborne from Texas A&M. And to me, look, I, I might be wrong. I think that Reggie Robertson is easily the best receiver in the state. I, I don't even think there's that much of a conversation. Yeah, I, I... I don't think there's an argument with that. Um, there might, you know, you could actually, I don't even know. I, I can't make an argument for Osborne or Darden. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think I can. <laughs> like I, I really, I really think that um, the only reason, I mean, literally the only reason Robertson wasn't hyped up more maybe was because who he, play, he played with last year. Like he played with James Prochet and it's like, okay, you have the other best receiver in Texas. Right. Like, <laughs> it's like, um, you know, obviously when you're the number two, you're going to get naturally overshadowed. And so I think he's going to be, he's going to be a guy who's, going to jump out to a lot of people because the past couple years usmu has just literally pumped out nfl caliber receivers um and it's kind of actually wild uh, now through two head coaches that they're just going to produce potentially three yeah. like nfl yeah. caliber or, i mean not potentially like definitely they're nfl yeah. caliber um wide receivers in like five yeah. years well in the fourth if you want to count trey quinn too you know so i mean they oh geez, yeah, yeah and true. and so yeah, it's been a special group, obviously, that's come through SMU. And I think, you know, look, the other thing, too, is, like, you talk about him kind of being second fiddle to James Prochet. In eight games, he averaged 100 yards a game. <laughs> you know, like, I, yeah. it, it just so happened that the guy next to him was the best receiver, arguably, in the state last year. So, I mean, it, it's really going to be unbelievable. And the thing that I like so much about Robertson, especially in a situation now, is that he has proven that he can fight through physically if he's being, you know, covered tight if he's being double covered like he's big enough and strong enough that he's able to mm -hmm. create space for himself and um you know I, I think that's a really special skill and actually again i look at this top group and and I, it's a really good top group obviously and the second team is also fantastic but 
I, I just look at a guy who can get his no matter what. And I think yeah. that I'm excited to see Shane Bichelle and Reggie Robertson keep going, man. That's that's going to be a lot of fun this year. So let's, let's keep on moving. Uh, tight end. So second team, I went with uh, Jalen. Is, is it Weidermeyer or is it Wittermeyer? I, th- I think it's Weidermeyer. Okay. Yeah, I... I We'll just go on text ags and just look <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> later when they yell at us. Right. So, uh, who, by the way, was was fantastic later in the year. He really came along as a player later mm-hmm. in the year. But first team, another SMU guy, Kylan Granson was so much better than everybody else last year. Like, he was so good. Mm-hmm. He's, he, I mean, he is, he's another receiver, basically, but can also block. So, uh, easy choice for me. Offensive line. This is where obviously things always get interesting uh, when you're doing these preseason things, right? Because you gotta you gotta kind of go through and project a whole lot. So right. second team, uh, we got two Texas A&M guys on there: Carson Green and Kenyon Green. Obviously, if you've seen them, no relation. Uh, then we got UTSA Spencer Burford, Rice's Shea Baker, and UTEP's Bobby DeHero. On the first team, we're going with. SMU's Jalen Thomas, Baylor's Connor Galvin, Texas Tech's Dawson Deaton, Texas Tech's Jack Anderson, who missed a lot of last year, uh, and Texas's Samuel Cosme is the number one offensive lineman in the state. 100%. don't think that's arguable. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have any... Uh, I do want to tie back... I do want to go back to the tight ends really yeah. quick. Um, Weidermeyer was in a big spot last year because of who they yep. lost in Jay Sternberger, then who they lost because of injury yep. in Baylor Cup. Um, it was there that really hampered their depth, and there was a lot of responsibility, especially in Jimbo Fisher's offense on the tight end position, yeah. and him stepping up in that fashion to now have a number one tar- number one option in him, and then allow Baylor Cup to kind of motion him, you know, slowly acclimate himself to the college game coming off injury. Um, I mean, that that's that's invaluable to me. Yeah, and I, I think that's a great point. I mean, Baylor Cup was supposed to be the guy, <laughs> you know, just just right. straight up. Yeah. Five five star tight end, like he looked, he looked like a million bucks. Like that's the guy that you're like, okay, that's the modern tight end. And then when he goes down, it was like, okay, what do they have a tight end? And you know, Weidermeyer said, you know what, it's fine. Yeah. I got this. And now you add back Cup, like you said, you add back uh, Max Wright is a guy who's changed positions now. He's going to play mm-hmm. tight ends. Like they've got they've okay. got some bodies up there. So I'm excited to see. But but Weidermeyer is that guy. Um, you you know so yeah. And then getting uh, getting back on the offensive yeah. line, um, you know. Keon Green was somebody who we expected to be good, yeah. um, and but but I don't know if we expected him to be as good of a starter. We ex- I think at least me I expected him to naturally be you know the weak link, and he um, wasn't. And just because nat- no, he wasn't. He was one of the strongest players on the team, on uh, one of the strongest position holders on the team, and because he had a lot to prove and a lot to develop coming out of coming out of high school right he 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 was good technique wise but he was really doughy right he had to he had to get into that system he had to get into the college workout system and he just he's like yeah no this is fine i can do that and then he just bulked up and just ended up becoming a a premier sec lineman in a matter of months yeah i I think that uh that that dave campbell's texas rising issue is aging very gracefully (laughs) oh my gosh yes (laughs) yeah so so he's definitely somebody that we're excited about um is there anybody uh well, just even and actually, actually, let's finish up the offense real quick. So we do a utility sure. player who can be somebody who either is used in multiple ways. Oftentimes, it can be a return or something like that. Um, both the guys that I ended up picking on the list uh, were return types. Was the primary reason. So uh, North Texas, mm-hmm. Deion Hare Griffin, fantastic re- returner, uh, still growing as a wide receiver a little bit, but he'll have another chance as a senior. Um, and look, a guy who I think was 
the other guy, if you're not going to pick Reggie Robertson, this is probably the best receiver in the state. Marquez Stevenson from Houston. Uh, he he mm. got he got slotted in at that utility role because of his return ability, which is just don't kick to him, man. Just just don't don't waste your time. Um, but uh, <laughs> but I think he is also in that conversation for best receiver. Definitely. Yeah. So looking at the offense, was there anybody who you were surprised was on second team or, or somebody who you thought maybe missed the list that you thought would be on there? I, I mean, it's it's tough, obviously, at this point, just because, you know, we go so deep with these. But right, right. I'm trying to think of anybody who I don't want to say. See, I don't want to say like maybe should have been there, but maybe somebody who nah, I can't even say like, well, <laughs> I don't mean this is shade. Um when you threw out the fact that Seamus O'Kelly might be on the second team part, <laughs> I immediately was like, there has to be someone else on this yeah. list worth putting. And it's a it's a it, it's a bad punter year. Well like it's a pretty bad it, punter I will, year. I will say this. It's it is a bad punter year, but it is a it is a one punter year. Awesome McNamara. That's, that's fair. Rules. That's fair. It is a one punter yeah. year. And and look, I mean the big thing is obviously like a lot of these guys are, are turning over. A lot of these guys are, yeah. uh, you know, some are coming back from injury. Like, there's yeah. a bunch of guys who I think could be good, but we just have not seen it as yet. I mean, Mitchell Crawford was originally, you know, a guy who we considered for for punter. He transfers, right? Like, yeah. that yep. happened a whole lot this offseason, and, and so I think it made the job really hard. And part of that is because last year was – and really really good punting gear you know dane roy's now gone yeah, and sure. braden man's now gone braden man right? so yeah. um i think that by the end of the year we'll feel good about this crop of punchers but yeah right now i mean it's it's definitely awesome mcnamara in the field that was one that was one when he threw out to me i was like hold on seamus o'kelly's a second team player and then i looked around and i was like yeah you know what seamus o'kelly's a second team yeah punter. hey not not a bad uh, first year at all so Let's, let's go yeah. ahead and uh, and for me, um, you know, I mentioned him earlier. I think Trey Sagers is another guy who probably had a good case oh, to sure. get in, yeah. but look, I, I mean, he missed more games. That that's a big part of why he didn't end up making the list. So uh, I'm excited again. Yeah. He he's a guy who definitely could be in the conversation for first team by the end of the year. So m- moving to the defense, we'll try to move a little quicker through this um, defensive line, starting with the second team, David Anani from Houston. I don't know if I'm saying that exactly right. Uh, Michael Williams from SMU, Dion Noville from North Texas, DeMarvin Leal from Texas A&M, all guys who, again, by the end of the year could be first-team guys. Um, but yep. for me, the first team was Eli Howard at defensive end from Texas Tech, Bobby Brown from Texas A&M, Keandre Coburn from Texas, Joseph Osai from Texas. And so this is this is where, uh, you know, we pick, obviously, best defensive linemen. So this one was a little surprising. Yeah, yeah. So I went with Keandre Coburn, right? So he yeah. was a guy who was injured a lot last year, for sure. And he didn't get as many snaps as maybe some of these other guys. Um, mm-hmm. And the other thing, too, I mean, to be perfectly frank, like, Joseph Osai is going to be more of a utility role. Like, I don't think he's going to be just sort of a, a pure, you know, hand-down pass rusher. I think they're going to use him in a lot of ways. So that's kind of my logic for not necessarily picking him. But... You know, right. Coburn, for me, I, I really, really liked his first year. I mean, it, it was a really good freshman year. And and I think that, mm-hmm. look, I think they asked a lot from him, obviously, in a lot of times playing at three-man front. Uh, and, and I think that he was really that disruptive force in the middle. I think he caused a lot of issues. I think that he, you know, was able to take over some games at times. And, and if he can stay on the field more consistently as a sophomore, I, I think he definitely could be the, the best lineman in in the state of Texas. Yeah, for sure. And like, I think 
you know what really surprised what surprised me obviously was 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 Osai right? Or not naming Osai because yeah. either he has the he's probably the one that's gonna break. You know, people talk about the first round drought yeah. um, for Texas. Yeah. Um, he's probably the likely candidate to break that, um, and for good reason. Um, but I think when you look at the ceiling and you look at how much Coburn produced in that short amount of t- or not almost a short amount of time, but in when he did play um, while battling injury. Yeah. I think you just, I mean, you saw the ceiling and you saw the dominance. And I think the more I thought about it, the more I understood. I was like, okay, this is, this is a, this, making this call isn't that far fetched. Yeah. And, and it definitely is a projection pick. It definitely is a, I think, sure, I think sure. by the time that the season starts, I think that Coburn could be right. that dominant force. So we're going to be saying, yeah, we're going to be saying, okay, cool. Osai is definitely probably, you know, first day, second day NFL draft pick, but. We're looking ahead to 2021. Where it's like, okay, now Coburn, yeah. you know, like or 2022. And and look, I will readily admit, man, I am heavily biased towards defensive tackles because my God, when a defensive tackle takes over a game, it is like nothing. Else. Oh, it's the greatest thing in the world. Yeah, isn't it? It, <laughs> like you know, ends are cool. You know, they get all the glory. They get you know, they get the they got to beat the tackle. Cool, right, that's right. fine. But like, <laughs> defensive tackles got to beat the center, the guard, sometimes the tackle, uh, sometimes the running back to blow. You know, <laughs> and uh, if they get to the backfield, like defensive tackles, they don't get a lot of love, and I, that's why that's why the most dominant ones get like remembered in history like Aaron yeah, Donald yeah. and, and Dominican Sue in Nebraska like that's why they do is because when they do it's like oh my gosh that guy listen uh, after after last year after seeing Bravion Roy it made me uh remember my my true love <laughs> Andrew Billings who is the greatest football player I've oh ever seen, yeah it, it's, <laughs> not really but you know uh okay so let's move on to linebacker uh really strong group at linebacker and honestly this was a position group where there were like 15 guys that could have considered honestly man like it, it's it's a really yeah. deep position group. Like, I mean, I'll go ahead and say, like, Grant Stewart's on the second team, right? Like, Grant Stewart's mm-hmm. a really good player. He's obviously moving to linebacker. That definitely played a part is that, you know, he's moving from safety to linebacker. He was a guy who maybe mm-hmm. we thought about as a first-team, you know, defensive back, but then it, it just makes it complicated. Um, you know, yeah. Richard McBride and Anthony Hines, the other two guys at linebacker on the second team. And again, like, and I'm, do you pick Anthony Hines? Do you pick Buddy Johnson? I I don't know. They're both really good. They're both about the same quality. Yeah. I kind of just had to pick one. Eh. And again, like in any other year, those guys probably are first yeah. team. Yeah, but the first team absolutely rules. <laughs> it absolutely rules. Oh my gosh, this is it's such a good yeah. year. <laughs> so uh, the guy who people may not know enough about is Blaze Aldridge, but this dude yeah. is a monster. This dude mm-hmm. does not stop. He is so good. <laughs> the the funny thing about him and and. Uh, I think that they, I think they write of uh, that David Barron wrote about it in our in our right section. Um, yes, he's the he's the he's he's the player yeah. feature. Like he's a JUCO kid. He went to Rice. That's yeah. not easy. Yeah, <laughs> just based on the academic requirements and based on the cultural fit. Obviously, I mean that's that's a hard thing to find. Um, but Blaze Aldridge, man, oh, he is he is a really good player. And then these other two, I had a real tough time picking between these two guys for best linebacker in the states. I ended up going with Terrell Bernard from Baylor. Um, I think that, you know, you look at his numbers and what he was able to do in his limited time as being the primary guy, it, it was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if, if somebody yeah. told me that TCU's Garrett Waller was the best linebacker in the state, I would tip my hat and go on with my day because they are both incredible. Yeah. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and I have the I have the feature right here the player feature he did uh, Baron did it over the I think the three Juco yeah, players um, that Rice have that all roommates <laughs> that's awesome. and um, they all make they all make fun of Blaze Aldridge for being the or no it was the uh, let me see da, 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 da. Rosner and Smith roomed together as new arrivals last fall but the season moved but after the season moved off campus to live with Aldridge um, a senior to be and in his words the man of the house. <laughs> So Aldridge, Aldridge looks at himself as the man of the house with the group. That is fantastic. Oh my god! Wait, so it's it's uh it's Aldridge, it's Bradley Rosner. Who's the third guy? Naeem oh, Smith. Smith. Okay, yeah, three really yeah. really good. And, but this quote this quote really hit me with um <laughs> with Aldridge. This is at the end because um, we talk. You know, I always make fun of watch lists and all that like every year because it's like sure you get on you're on the watch list right, too right, why not right. i'll be on the davy o'brien award watch list <laughs> by the end of the year um but like uh let's see this part right here this isn't the whole thing this is just the end so you know you guys definitely should read yes, this yes, uh, when yes. you guys get your magazine um aldridge said he was almost moved to tears when his fbs dreams of of playing for an f or when his dreams of playing for an fbs program were fulfilled that feeling hasn't left me he said when he when coach bloomgren told me last year that I had been added to the Nagurski Award watch list. I was choked by, choked up by the honor and that coaches believed in me enough to let me show what I can do. There isn't a day where when I'm not appreciative of it, I can't afford to take anything for, for granted. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, that, that's the type of attitude he has. Obviously, the JUCO mentality helps yeah. because out of high school, you know, for whatever reason, you didn't go FBS right sure. away and you had to work again to get back to this point. Um and yeah, I mean, like, it's a it's a guy. It's just a great. I mean, he's a great story. Like he's like you mentioned, he's a guy that not a lot of people know about in comparison to guys like Wallow, um, and even like oh, even guys on the second team like Hines. But he's a guy you should absolutely know. Yes, about. yes, absolutely. So, closing out, uh, starting with defensive backs. Okay, so Damani Richardson from Texas A&M is the second team guy, but he is probably going to be first team by the end of the year. Cause that dude is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, he, he was just one of those where it's like, all right, he's a true sophomore. He doesn't necessarily have the same, you know, track record as some of these other guys, but mm-hmm. Holy crap. Is he amazing? Uh, another Houston guy that I put Giovanni Stewart, who played at West Virginia mm-hmm. was a really, really good player at West Virginia. Went to rejoin Dana Holgerson. He's from Katie. So, you know, it's also a homecoming for him, which is pretty cool. Um, Adrian Fry at Texas Tech, he's actually moving back to cornerback, which was a position that he really excelled at two years ago before playing safety last year. So excited to see what he can do. Jaron Morris was the pick from Texas State. Um, you know, mm-hmm. really, really one of the leaders of that of that defense. Definitely, definitely. I mean, um, you know, I'll let you talk about the first team in a bit, but Jaron Morris is somebody who came in, you know, especially in the modern game, it's all about big corners. Right, you have to be like five eleven plus to basically, you know, it, it, not always, but typically that's the that's the new prototypical mold of a cornerback. And I mean, Jaron Morris came in at five nine. Yeah, he's probably closer to five eight. Um, and he's been he's just a firecracker. Yeah, <laughs> he's like they call him they call him Baby J, and they you know they they you know he's 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 like the biggest five eight guy you're gonna see because he's <laughs> he plays he hits so hard he plays with such tenacity. Um, that he, I mean, as a freshman coming out of West Orange Stark, like, you know, a prestigious program like that, he came out and as a freshman, he was like, yeah, I'm going to be the best corner on this team. And like ended up being, just being yeah. that instantly. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. And so he moved to that first team. I mean, this is a really, really strong year for defensive back, I think. Yep. So 
the headliners are the two safeties from TCU, Trayvon Morig and Ardarius Washington. Um, you know, mm-hmm. look, it, you cannot go five seconds without somebody from TCU telling that uh, telling you that um, they were the top two rated safeties last year by Pro Football Focus. Like, <laughs> you can't even like go into the city of Fort Worth without somebody telling you that. But it is true; they're both fantastic players. Um, yep. Caden Stearns, obviously, you know, he, we know what he can do when he's healthy. Uh, it, it's been a real struggle for him to stay healthy. I'm really hoping that this is the year that we get to see a real, real, you know, 13, 14 games out of out of Caden Stearns because he, yeah. he's definitely a guy who also has first-round potential if he can really stay on the field and put together some good film. Um, and the fourth guy that I, that I picked, the one true cornerback on this list, uh, it's another Tejada brother. It's Raleigh Tejada from Baylor. Yeah. So... Look, um, I think that uh, I think that McNeese State, I think, is where the third Tejada brother went. Um, I think he mm-hmm. joined Frank Wilson over there. Look, all I know is that somehow he's going to end up being first team all conference. I don't even know how. Like it, the measurables will not make sense. <laughs> like like Raleigh Tejada. It's, it's just the, they they see the last name. It's like oh, I got to put yeah, a Tejada on there. You, know, you might as well. Like I, right. the funny thing about that family, right? Because obviously uh, the, the oldest brother, Anthony Tejada, fantastic cornerback at TCU. He, I, I think he got mm. was an NFL draft pick. Like you know, really good player. Um, Right. I mean, this is just a family that embraces playing cornerback. <laughs> and Yeah, man, and it's it's pretty it's pretty wild. Yeah, <laughs> and and so you look at some of the lists about, you know, lowest passer rating when thrown to, uh, you know, deflection stuff like that. Uh Riley Tata did a really good job. Obviously, you know, there were a lot of really good defensive backs on that Baylor team last year. You know, Tahad is one of only two starters coming back, both of whom are on the uh, All Texas College first team by the way, and Terrell Bernard and Riley Tahada. Um, but I, I think that he's going to take a much bigger role this year. And I think in a lot of ways, you know, you look at, again, pure cornerbacks, that there are a lot of hybrid players on this list, but I think you look at pure cornerbacks right now, I think he's leading the pack. For sure, for sure. Yeah, and uh, finishing it off with our favorites, the special teamers, like we mentioned uh, on the second team, Seamus O'Kelly from Texas State had a good first year. I'm, I'm excited to see if he can kind of build on that as a sophomore. Uh, Hunter Two Blesses mm-hmm. from UTSA ends up being our place kicker. And uh, first team, I think that I think there's a big gap between the first team and the second team, honestly, if we're being perfectly honest. But uh, but Austin McNamara from Texas Tech and Cameron Dicker from Texas uh, ended up being our first team picks. And both those guys obviously have already made a lot of big plays in their young careers and excited to see what they can do now. For sure. Cool. Well, man, it uh, it really makes it feel like this is all happening again when we, when we start getting these lists out. I know, it? right? It's like, oh, man, football, right? <laughs> <laughs> I remember those guys. I remember when they played football for us. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, like, you know, me getting the magazine and then obviously when you uh, when you come in and you get yours, like, that's always, that's, you know, that's exciting to see what you've done. But, like, I like it when people, when, when people start getting there, oh, yeah. right, in the next couple weeks. And so, like, they start seeing it and then you start seeing, like, news stories pop up it's like ah Dave Campbell's picks x and x to be x and x or to be you know whatever and that's when I really start seeing and that's when the hype really starts going because um especially right now you know there's not obviously not sports to talk about or at least on-field sports to talk about um and you know a lot of places are going to be looking for something like that right something projection something you know preview like to maybe give them some content to fill the void where um where they're usually struggling even 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 normally during yeah. the summers like not even yeah. now like even just normal <laughs> summers they just find it it's hard to fill time right now and i think now when you start seeing like people start getting their magazines and you start seeing these news stories come out and 
you know, even even the hate the hate stuff is like, oh, you, Houston's not Houston's gonna go nine and four. What are you talking about? You know, stuff like that. Um, I just like seeing that in general because it's just like it really ramps up the hype and the 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 machine is like, okay, let's get this thing cranking back again. Yeah. Got to kick the dust off. I, I think last year I remember uh, <laughs> the, the moment where I'm like, "Oh yeah, we're we're back, we're back." Was when some some fan was like yelling at me because I gave I think Texas A and M's line a B minus and Texas a B plus, and it's just like, <laughs> "Come on, man!" Like, I, 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 you have, uh, we're back, baby. I, I, I'll be honest, you probably put more thought into that than I did. Like, <laughs> and you know what? I ended up being right. So take that. You know. <laughs> So it really, it really. Did. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna double check right now to see what you gave them this year, just to make sure. I'm gonna, I'm gonna personally message that fan. If you gave, okay, let's see. That's a B plus, and then let's see. Let me compare. Uh, keep rambling. Yeah, I'm funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's really uh, the moments when you start feeling like, uh, like this is real again. That we're really gonna get football. And, and you know what? Look, we. Ah, uh, you, you, you coward! You gave them both a B plus. Oh man, uh, we, gotta, we gotta see whether we can jump in and, and get Greg to lower one of their grades before we go. <laughs> Well, well, don't worry. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll find another position group to to complain about instead of just playing a football game between the two of them. So, uh, right. <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much to everybody who's listening. Again, we physically have our mags. Well, at least Ish has his in his hands. I'll have mine in my hands tomorrow mm-hmm. when I go into the office. Uh, this is real. This is actually happening. We actually have a magazine. This is not a drill. Uh, if you have not gotten it as yet, TexasFootball.com/slash/subscribe. Even if you uh, if you do it this week, you're still going to get it uh, most likely before it goes to bookstores, which will really happen probably more the first week of July, more around July 4th, versus you should get it by the end of June if you order this week. So uh, if you haven't as yet, go ahead and get on that. It's definitely worth it. It's going to make it feel like sports are real again. And uh, yeah, thanks so much, everybody, for joining us, and we'll talk to you guys again next week. <laughs>